Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the life of ourselves, our family, and others. Plain old simple problems can happen in life, and those little things can quite often be disruptive. Let's consider a few of the little things which have happened to me. They've probably happened to you too. I've had a paper cut on the finger, a burn on the thumb, or somehow there's been a cut which bleeds and somehow refuses to close up. All sorts of things are quite annoying, but they're not serious problems, not as serious goes. But these things do slow you down. I have had a headache and no aspirin. I've slipped in the shower and hit my elbow. That slowed me down for a day or two. I've sewed a button and accidentally put a needle into my thumb. That hurt quite a while. Days. I needed to make a quick trip, but the gas gauge was on empty, so I had to stop for gas first. And I've had things left in my car at night, but I didn't have a flashlight to look for them. My bicycle has had a flat but then there was no air pump. My phone charger got chewed up by a pet. Once it got ran over by the car. These are things that are quite inconvenient. I've needed a Band-Aid, but the first aid kit was nowhere to be found. And then I found the first aid kit another time, but the Band-Aids were all gone. Other things are, well, I've locked the keys in the car, and the spare key was not where it was supposed to be. The same thing has happened for the house key. I have locked myself out of the house, and the, and the house key, the spare key, was gone. I've had to stay someplace overnight unexpectedly, and I didn't bring a toothbrush or a change of clothes. Well, I've lost my glasses before. They've even broken once. So these things have happened to me. They're little things. They're not great big emergencies, but they might also have happened to you, and if they have, you know how inconvenient it is to have happen. These things that happen on a day-to-day -day basis can be minimized just by having a little forethought and a little planning. You can take care of situations by thinking of them in advance and having spares around or having the things you need for those little things that are just a pretty big bother. They're not serious, but they are a bother. And all you have to do is give them some forethought, make a few plans, and you can minimize all these little problems that come up. And that's what I urge you to do. Give these some things now. Think and make preparations now before there's an urgent need. And what you want is hard to find. When the grocery stores are out of food, when the hardware store is out of supplies, it happens quick. It happens in an hour, maybe two, after an emergency is announced. This is episode 14, and I would like you to remember to give thanks to God for all the blessings that you do have on this day. Your letters with questions or donations are important. John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. 
Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. My Savior God to Thee How great Thou art How great Thou art Saddle up your horses Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised Word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome to the world, to Red Sky Radio, where we ride hard for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you so much to fit into this program today. I just keep getting backed up. Um, don't know what to say to that. We're going to start with good news. Going to try to end with something a little bit inspirational in between. Hang on. It's a wild ride. It always is. Today's program, I'll just tell you, is going to focus on two things. Uh, the first part is going to be the extreme, extreme acceleration of all things homosexual in this country. And the second thing is going to be for you, if you're a pastor, and if you are not a pastor, for you to take to your pastor. I'm going to give you instruction how to select a pastor, how to know who to listen to and how to know who to run from, and why it is so, criti- so critical at this juncture in the United States. And I have some extensive quotes from David Lane which I want to share with you today. I hope I can fit it all in. I'm going to move through the homosexual part actually pretty fast, much of which you've heard before, but it actually sets up the discussion of where we are in this country, where we are in the world, where things are happening in this world, the speed with which actually the entire world is declining, and how you know who you should be sitting under when you go to a Bible school, when you go to a church, You've got to be ever more vigilant than you have ever been before. So let's get rolling. First of all, good news. Out of the great state, I apologize, the great Republic of Texas, Greg Abbott, Republican governor with the Republican Senate, a Republican House there, passed the Save Chick-fil-A bill. That's what they're calling it, the Save Chick-fil-A. Well, You'd say, well, Chick-fil-A doesn't need saving. That's that's kind of right because they're now the number three fast food restaurant in the United States. McDonald's and then Starbucks. And Starbucks is losing ground. Starbucks is toast. Starbucks could go bankrupt for all I care about because all they have cared about for a number of years is queer stuff. They, they have pushed it and pushed it. They hate the Bible. Uh, and uh, they're going to be gone. And the sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned, they're in easily replicated business, all sorts of coffee as it exists out here. But anyway, the legislation, which is, as I said, which is called the Chick, Save Chick-fil-A Bill, prohibits a government, which in this case was the San Antonio Airport, this, uh, uh, which is under the authority of the San Antonio City, City Council. So it's really the city council setting rules for the San Antonio Airport. It will prevent prohibit a government from taking action against a company or an individual for donating to religious groups. And this because, of course, Chick-fil-A took a stand for Bible-based marriage, 
and by that convicted a whole bunch of queries of sin. The same thing has happened in the city of Buffalo. I don't want to fly into Buffalo either because they're keeping Chick-fil-A out. What's with this whole business? I mean, this is so easily predictable that if you don't just cater to this crowd, if you don't do everything they demand, no matter what the demand is, all of a sudden you're anti-gay. Well, that's what I've said for years. They're going to start with acceptance, tolerance, then it's going to move to advocacy, then it's going to move to the punishment for those who do not participate in the advocacy and punishment against those who speak anything against them that will convict them of the sin of sodomy. Very clear, but this is rampant in the United States, and the speed with which it is accelerating is absolutely alarming. This was a statement that Mr. Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, made seven years ago. He said, quote, I think we are inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at him and say, we know better than you as to what constitutes a marriage. I pray God's mercy on our generation that has such a prideful, arrogant attitude to think that we have the audacity to define what marriage is about, end quote. God bless you, amen, could not agree more. Now, it's interesting that the homosexual community will say God didn't strike Sodom and Gomorrah because of their homosexuality. It struck them because of their pride. Now, that actually is true. It's ref That's referenced in Scripture. We know what they did, and God cited the issue of pride. Well, who who is involved in pride more than the homosexual community? They had pride events apparently, in Sodom and Gomorrah. Their issue was pride. It was played out in their debauched behavior, which was an affront to God, which God calls an abomination. But God bless you, the state of Texas, for doing this. I wish more states would do it. I wish more towns would do it. I wish states and towns would start passing bills that would say, look, we're not going to award a contract to somebody who does push the queer agenda. Why can't we get retaliatory? Why can't we become offensive in something that's good? Push the good. What's wrong with that? More on that later and why our pastors are to blame for that failing in U.S. society. Uh, quote of the week. I don't do this every week. If I don't have a good quote, I won't do it. But this was sent in from uh, by Lita from Idaho, and it was a Montana rancher's summary of the Mueller report and the Democrats' uh, efforts to, you know, strangle Trump at any and every opportunity. This is how the rancher summarized the Mueller report. Quote, while we recognize that the subject, which, of course, he means Trump here, while we recognize that the subject did not actually steal any horses, he is obviously guilty of trying to resist being hanged for it. Think about that one. This is superb. While we recognize that the subject did not actually steal any horses, he is obviously guilty of trying to resist being hanged for it. Uh, next piece, we've got to move through some things real fast here. California lawmakers, as you know, plan to give health care benefits, free medical care to a bunch of illegal immigrants. Illegals. Now, they're starting off with a small segment, a certain age population, but this is what the Democrats all do all the time. It's the camel's nose, as well now in California, the camel's butt inside the tent. But they will push what they can push, and I will guarantee you, mark this program down. It's only a matter of next year or the year after that, they will expand it. They reduce the resistance by keeping the introduction of the poison small. Hey, why are you complaining? This chili is only 1% arsenic. It's only 1% strychnine. It's not going to really kill you. It might get you a little. Well, they'll, in, they'll increase the arsenic or strychnine, whatever. Pick your poison. They'll increase that a very short time down the road when it then becomes lethal. So understand this. This is a state giving free health care to illegals, and they want open borders. 
Think about that. They want open borders, and they're going to give free health care to illegals. Now, I understand the consequence. Maybe Arizona doesn't have to be concerned about the illegals because they're all going go to go to California. But the, the, par- the parallel in the stupidity department would be to think that Walmart could give away milk and then be shocked to find a line three miles long outside the front door. Look, gosh, I mean, I don't know. I don't even want to spend more time on it. Now, this is an interesting piece. Uh, you may have seen it. You may not have. But there is a group in Boston. Uh, what are their names? I can't even remember what the name is. Oh, Super Happy Fun America. Super Happy Fun America in Boston, which wants to have a straight pride parade. Yes, you, you heard that right. They want to, quote, celebrate heterosexuality. They hope to conduct the parade on the last Saturday of August and use the same path as the pro-queer parade uh, last week. Uh, and I find this very interesting. I, you know, I think I'm going to get a T-shirt, and I'll report to you how it goes. I'll get a T-shirt made that simply says, I'm straight and I'm proud. Kind of a takeoff of the old black T-shirt, I'm, I'm black and I'm proud, or, or say, I celebrate heterosexuality. Something like that. And just see what the response is, because the homosexual community is just going berserk over this. No, they get to celebrate their queerdom and their debauchery, but we don't get to celebrate normalcy. Isn't that amazing? When asked about the event, the mayor of Boston, Mayor Walsh, he was not at all excited to talk about it. He shrugged it off. Then he said, all I care about is you know promoting the gay pride Parade. That's what I'm about. I don't know what the straight pride parade is about. Well, wait, wait, wait a second. I actually quoted him there. I don't know what the straight pride parade is all about. How could you know what a queer pride parade is about and not know what a straight pride parade is about? Uh, but but that's but that's Boston. Just a bunch of losers. And I might add, and I'm sorry if I'm going to offend you. I was thrilled that the Boston Bruins lost the Stanley Cup. God bless the St. Louis. Blues. All right. I'm moving along here quickly today to show you how bad the backdrop is in the United States here and how quickly it is spreading before we get to our key features, and that is the threat to America that's the result largely of anemic, gutless pastors. I've tipped you off, but you do you have to hear all of this program today. Now, just flipping over here, I'm going to go north a little bit. Canada doesn't have the guarantee of free speech that we have. Hate speech is actually illegal there. But we have, we have things we can hate. I mean, why can't I hate sodomy? Why can't I hate child molestation of a man on a boy? Well, here's why. Because it implies homosexuality. So you don't get to criticize those things in Toronto, apparently, where Pastor David Lynn was giving the softest, most loving invitation to people to get saved on the street in an area that has a high homosexual concentration. And these are his quotes. Jesus died for the sinner. Every heterosexual has sin. Every homosexual has sin. Sin is when we violate the laws of God. He did not target any particular group of people or single out homosexuality for its sin, but they're all sin, and the answer is the same. Guess what? While the crowd of homosexuals pressed him and started to come at him and press him like they pressed against the door of Lot because the angels were there and the sodomites wanted to sodomize him, they pressed in on this guy. The police came. To rescue David? No, 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 no. Not in Canada. Not when you speak the truth. Not when you speak the Bible. They didn't come to arrest the homosexuals for pressuring him, intimidating him, and assaulting him. They came to arrest David. That's right. Preach the gospel on the streets in Canada. Get arrested. Rob Walter, the Red Sky Radio, will be right back. Don't go away.
Well, hey, how are you? Welcome to Red Sky Radio. I am the tech guy, and considered this a PSA, I want to quickly tell you how you can get all the episodes. You can go to darkskyradio.com. Once you get there, go towards the right. You'll see on the menu page a Red Sky Radio tab. Click on that tab, and voila, there you are. There's a media player. You can go through and listen to all the past episodes. You can go through and download all the past episodes. If you scroll down to the bottom of the page, what you'll find is a Google Play button. You can click on that and subscribe to this radio show via Google Play, or to the left, you can go to iTunes, and that will that button there will take you to a a new page, the Podomatic page. You can subscribe right there and listen. You can scroll down on that page to the right and find the iTunes subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to Red Sky Radio. are back. Red Sky Radio. Uh, Bob Seeger, love that song. And another California city here, Redwood City now, is doing its best to keep Chick-fil-A out because of what? Uh, their presence convicts people of their sin. That's all it is. Said it a gazillion times. But I, I still think it's a good idea for uh, some town somewhere to not issue permits to businesses that advocate uh, for sodomy and think that somehow sodomy is a family value. Well, it just keeps getting worse in California and all the places, but this one is particularly alarming. Up in the uh, northern section of California is a boarding school run by Teen Rescue of Northern California. Teen Rescue uh, of Northern California. They have the Riverview Christian Academy. And they help troubled teens that come from across the United States. They're getting pressured by the California Department of Social Services and have been pressured because they contend that they're, they're operating as an unlicensed community care facility. They have contended, the Riverview Christian Academy, that they are not an unlicensed care facility. They are exempt from the community care facility regulations. That's what they're contending. But a law in 2016 requires these alternative boarding schools to possibly attain community care licensing. And why? Because the laws associated with these boarding schools requires that the state allow students to have the right to engage in spiritual and sexual exploration. In other words, anything that's Christian, we're going to pass a law that, that forces you to allow in non-Christians and let others practice their queerdom in all of its grotesque and debauched forms. They fought against this, as they should. And what happened? This is what happened. Now, folks, this is a boarding school for troubled teens. This isn't Branch Davidian. This isn't a storehouse of firearms where some radical group that plans to take out uh, all of Washington, D.C., no, none of that. It's a boarding school for troubled teens that has been harassed by the California government. A couple of weeks ago, the Department of Social Services showed up. But they didn't just show up. They showed up with 16 armed officers from the California Highway Patrol, two canine units, and 17 social workers. I'm sorry, it's actually a couple of months ago. I said I said a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. But it's just working its way through the media here. 16 armed officers, 17 social workers, two canine units for a boarding school. Now you know, and why? Because this school will not cave in to allowing the students to participate in sexual exploration. Now you know why I call them the Gestapo, because they are out to stomp out your freedom 
and it is happening so fast. You're going to have to get your kids out of government schools, that's for sure. And then finally, is it almost finally here? Can I finally get on to the next part? Yeah, here in just a minute. This is my last one I'm going to cover before we move into some comments and and some really insightful comments, I should say, from David Lane as to where we are in America and why it's so critical. And it may be just as critical wherever you are listening, wherever you are in the world, because the whole gay rights thing is, is a big push in South America. I don't even know if we have any listeners in South America. They don't seem to show up. It's mostly Western Europe, South Asia, and Southeast Asia that we have international listeners, as well as Russia. And God bless Russia for at least trying to slow down this homosexual blitzkrieg that's occurring all over the world. But on The View, an otherwise worthless show, the co-host, Sunny Hostin, made this statement. She said, quote, uh, and she said this about the, the uh, Catholic bishop, Thomas Tobin, in Rhode Island, who reminded Christians to avoid partaking in the old LGBT celebrations, and in part because the festivities were, quote, especially harmful to children, end quote. And they are. You send your children to a queer pride parade, you teach them that stuff, I think it's child abuse, child neglect, child endangerment, maybe you should lose them to social services. Problem is, in California, as far as I know, social services is just as bad as the schools and just as bad as the parents. So I don't know where they take them to. But this is what the co-host of The View said. Quote, a reminder that Catholics should not support or attend LGBTQ Pride Month says they promote a culture and encourage activities that are co contrary to Catholic faith and morals. That's what she's saying, that this, uh, uh, what's it, was he, priest? No, he's not a priest. He's a Catholic bishop is saying her response is as follows. The bishop should be ashamed of his comments. And she asserted that her children will definitely be attending the Pride event and said, quote, I tweeted out that my Catholic children will be attending Pride events as this Catholic, meaning herself, will as well. And, you know, my faith has always taught me what Jesus would do. And I know Jesus would be attending the pride parade with pride, end quote. No, I'm sorry, uh, Sonny, baby. Uh, Jesus is not queer. You tried to make him queer. And what was that? The last temptation of Christ. They're always trying to make Jesus queer. If they can make Jesus queer, then they're finally going to get feeling better about their queerdom. But they won't quit. No, Jesus would say the same thing to the queer pride parade as he would to somebody else. Go and sin no more. Don't do this. Now tell me, would Jesus disagree with that which he inspired Paul to say and write in 1 Corinthians 6 where he said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers nor homosexuals, effeminate nor abusers of themselves, with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Concluding, but such were, past tense, some of you. But you are, present tense, washed. Ye are sanctified. Ye are justified in the name of Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So, would Jesus go and celebrate something where people are going to hell? Would Jesus go and celebrate... Uh, let's well, let's go right down the line. Would he go and celebrate and participate with pride in the fornicator pride parade, the idolater pride parade, the adulterer pride parade, the abuser pride parade, the thievery pride parade, the covetous pride parade, the drunkard pride parade, the reviler pride parade, the extortioner pride parade? Would he participate in any pride parade where everybody in that pride parade is going to hell? No, of course not. He's there to turn that thing around. You don't get to heaven through pride, sonny baby. That's how you go to hell through pride.
But Jesus offers up what was such were, past tense, some of you. You're washed. You're not effeminate anymore. You're not a sodomite anymore. You're not an adulterer anymore. You're not a drunkard anymore, a thief anymore, a reviler, an extortioner anymore. Because that's what the blood of Jesus does. It actually heals and cures people from those things, including homosexuality. So get over it. Quit trying to base everything that you, every sin you've got on something you think Jesus would be excited about. And in the process, stating the most heretical, blasphemous comments you could possibly make. Okay, now, I got through all of that before the halfway point in the program. And I am really proud of myself. No, I'm kidding. I don't have that kind of pride. David Lane met David. He goes around and putting on conferences to try to, to pastors primarily, to inspire and instill them the need to get off their duff and get going in the process of not just evangelizing America, but to stand up, to stand and having, like we, like we sing at the, in the in the intro to the program, having done all to stand, stand therefore, or not sing, but what it's what's spoken. I want to quote rather generously from two articles he wrote, and I'm going to just go from one right into another, and then we're going to get to the thing about the pastors specifically. David Lane wrote this, saying that where we are is a uh, where we are in this country, Western culture is a direct result of the vacuum created as American Christendom has relinquished the town square. Now, I want to insert, relinquishing the town square means that Christians think it's somehow right and proper and pious to pull out of the dirty business of politics. Well, if that's true, then Christians should pull out of the dirty business of being plumbers and the dirty business of being lawyers and the dirty business of being policemen. And Well, you get the point. The, quoting again, the disengagement from the culture by Christians has left a void in America that is now being filled by everything antichrist. Decisions have consequences. The gathering storm engendered by baby boomers and passed on to the millennial and Generation Z, Gen Z generations to sort out will come down hard on the weak need and lily-livered. I'm still quoting. Come down hard and the weak need and lily livered. He's talking about the pastors of the to the baby boomers, and the baby boomers have not reached out and to the yet the younger generations to pass on a hardened faith, meaning it's a, it's firmly established. But as he says, weak need and lily livered. Continuing, what Christian minister and cultural theologian P. Andrew Sandlin styled as the Sunday go-to-meeting Christianity, has been the prevailing attitude over the last century, making no demands on the culture. This attitude exposed the entire West to the risk of a grave cultural and political crisis and perhaps to a collapse of its very civilization. The last two generations of Americans handed down this disposition to their children and their children's children. I need to stop there to simply insert. We owe some of our children and grandchildren extreme apologies, but more than just an apology. We need to sacrifice now to turn around and do and pay the price necessary to attempt to turn around that which has happened because, frankly, my generation has not done its job, but I'm pointing the finger at the pastors. So he, he brings up the issue about the Chick-fil-A again, and he said, you know, the founders could not have fathomed what's happening in 21st century America, let alone wrap their minds around it. What, what likely political motivations could there be against Chick-fil-A? Destroying a business simply because the owners hold biblical and moral beliefs is going down a rabbit hole. So where is Hillary Clinton with her pretentious charade from August 2016 wherein she said, quote, I've been fighting to defend religious freedom for years, end quote. 
Good point. The American political theorist and moralist Russell Kirk took a generation long ago the view of where this track leads, yet he threw out a life vest. He said, quote, This is the bent world of Orwell's 1984 and is the actual state in many lands of what once was a civilized order. Will the wave of the future engulf the remaining islands of refuge? Will the American Republic go down to a dusty death? I want to reread one of those lines. Will the wave of the future engulf the remaining islands of refuge? I ask that because a question I get asked all the time is, where, where do we go? What, what do we do? What do we invest in? What do we, I mean, what, is there any place left? Well, there'll be some place, I think, and I hope, and we may well need to go there when it gets too dangerous to stay where we are. And if you think that you're going to stay on the West Coast or Florida or whatever just because of the weather and you can't take another climate, you're going to get crushed and you're going to be facing extinction or the utter and complete compromise of all your values. And you know where that leads spiritually, uh, a southbound freight. Continuing, quote, the contemporary self-effacing church culture. Got that? The contemporary self-effacing church culture hidden behind the walls of the meeting place, is not up to Christianity's required standards. A different type of church will be needed for America to begin, I'm sorry, to be born again. Budgets, buildings, and butts in the seats won't be the theological focal point if America is to survive. Christians operating in the public square will be and need to be empowered by wisdom from above. So true. He's calling for Christians in the public square. Now, he continues on in a follow-up piece, talking about the recent speech of Joe Biden. He said, quote, He announced that if elected president in 2020, his top legislative priority will be to sign the Equality Act into law, which will make LGBTQ, and you might as well add, RSTUVWXYZ, protections into the nation's labor and civil rights laws. So now, now I want you to, to, to take note of this. This is the leading contender in the Democrat Party saying that his number one legislative priority above everything else is to advance queerdom under the guise of the jackboot and the gun of the government to enforce and ram and cram and slam and jam down the throats of all Americans under the force of law. That's what he said. That's his number one priority. That's where we are, folks. And Lane goes on to write, and this is what, he wrote this a couple of years ago, and I have said this for 15 years on the air, but I'm going to quote him, not me, not I, sorry. Homosexual militants once preached a libertarian argument. Let us live our lives in the privacy of our homes to be contented and leave us alone. The militant homosexual act, act, activists constructed over the last decade a totalitarian posture. For now, bakers, photographers, florists, and Christian retreat centers will tar- participate in our same-sex weddings or they will be bankrupted, end quote. That's absolutely their goal. I've said that. That's their idea is to punish, persecute, prosecute, sue you out of business so that you can say nothing, do nothing, disseminate nothing, live in a way you cannot do any of that stuff that will convict them of their sin. That's what it's all about. And why? Because, well, 1962, we removed prayer from public education. 63, the Bible came out of public education. 73, we discovered, lo and behold, voila, the right to execute innocent unborn children in the womb. 80, removal of the Ten Commandments from public school buildings. My goodness, we don't want to actually teach the right way to children. 
And of course, in 2015, the discovery of what David Lane calls an occult and newly minted constitutional right to homosexual intercourse and marriage. Continuing the quote, never seen before in American history, the unrestrained paganization of our culture breeds wholesale devastation and dissolution, a cataclysmic crumbling of Western civilization. Where are equal rights for those who believe that homosexual behavior is sin, as clearly defined in Scripture? Who authorized the state to bless and hallow each vice and evangelize it through public education? The answer, five pagan Supreme Court justices in 2015. In the classic book, The Life of Elijah, A.W. Pink describes a period in the life of Israel similar to where the American culture finds itself now. Elijah appeared on the stage of public action during one of the darkest hours of Israel's sad history. What a deplorable state God's people were then in. Israel had grievously and flagrantly departed from Jehovah, and that which directly opposed him had been publicly set up, as in secularism. Never before had the favored nation sunk so low. Painful indeed it is to trace their sad course, and still more tragic to behold how there has been a repetition of the same in the history of Christendom. For Biden has portrayed the LGBTQ individuals as the victims, ignoring the fact that it is a people of faith who have been the big losers in this war of ideas. The bakery owners are being sued out of existence. Medical professionals are being pressured to embrace transgender ideology, and major corporations are pulling their businesses out of states that actually seek to protect religious freedom. In hindsight, since politics is downstream from culture, allowing pagan secularists to indoctrinate three to four generations of America's youth with taxpayer money may not have been so smart. To paraphrase Mark Stein, if public education is secular, if Apple, Amazon, Google, YouTube, and Facebook, all far left, control our social media, if George Clooney and Amal are icons to emulate, if the former strippers like Lady Gaga and Cardi B are role models for our daughters, having an R for Republican behind one, one's name isn't going to make much difference anymore. There is good news, though, and I'm continuing the quote. And praise be to God for six Missouri pastors ran for local office in 2018. Five of the six were elected. Three of those five were elected to the Missouri House of Representatives. And what did they just do? They just passed the restrictions on abortion. Praise God that the Gideons and the Rahabs are beginning to stand. End quote. And thank you, David Lane. And what I'm going to share here in a bit will fit and jive with what David had to say in a very important manner because I want to pick up on something that, as you see the theme here, he's focusing really on the church. And the culture is where it is because the church has not interceded. The church has not stepped in the way. The church has not said, said hold it. We're not doing that. The church has not been willing to actually defy the law where God's word has demanded that the law be defied. That's right. That is where God has commanded a person to do something that the law prohibits, or the law has commanded the person, the Christian, to do something that God prohibits. Either one demands your disobedience to the pagan culture that rules and reigns in this country. When we return, and do not go away, I have something I want to share that is very, very important, and it is applicable 
If you're a pastor, don't you go away unless you don't want to hear it. If you've got a pastor, you have got to hear this, and you may want to take it to him. We'll be right back. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. Rob Walter, we are back with the Red Sky Radio. I'm going to have to move quickly in these last 15 minutes I've got. i got a lot I want to fit in, and you need to hear every word of it. I was troubled the other day. I don't even remember the guy's name. I don't want it. some well-known pastor who I don't know. But President Trump showed up at his church, and he was struggling with whether to take notice of it, to, 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 uh, to pray for the pastor. He went to great lengths to apparently distance himself and make absolutely sure that he was not endorsing this pastor in any or the president in any way, shape, or form. But he felt a biblical obligation to pray for the guy. Mind you, what he was really saying is, there's nothing I agree with this guy, but I'm commanded by God to pray for him, so I will. And why? Because he was afraid he was going to upset some of his congregation. One more eunuch in a clerical garb. Now, I want to tell you, I prayed for Obama, pray for President Trump. There's differences in the prayers, however. Second Thessalonians 3.2 says to pray that you'd be delivered, delivered from unreasonable men, for not all have faith. It's okay to pray that you will get, that, that you pray for the leader, but then pray that you could be delivered from the leader if the leader is not following God. So it came down to this. Basically, most of the time I was praying that Obama would change. And most of the time, I'm praying that Trump won't change. Now, can I say Obama's absolutely 100% wrong on everything? No, maybe 98. Is Trump right on everything? No, probably about 90%. But Obama is invariably wrong. Trump is invariably right. They're different kinds of prayers. Pray for the one that he would change. Pray for the other that he doesn't change. The American churches have a problem. They're infected with hirelings that are spoken about in John 10. They aren't there to protect and lead the flock, which they're called to do. And, I'm, and this is a great many. Is it the majority? Maybe. They're not there to protect and lead the flock, but to protect themselves, to protect their pay, to protect their perks, to protect their popularity, to protect their pensions, to protect their personal and public persona. I want you to do something here. And this, I'm gonna, this is how you can determine who your pastor should be. This is worth the price of admission. Ask your pastor if he is willing to preach against the homosexual movement or against homosexuality and sodomy or against abortion or against Islam, for that matter. And if they're not, then leave. I'm serious. You, you want a preacher who preaches the word, right? Fair enough, the word of God. But ask the question, is it the whole world of, or a whole word of God? So the question that will help you get quicker than you possibly could imagine to whether you have the right pastor or not is not to ask the pastor what he preaches, but ask the pastor what he won't preach. Because as other things become more uncomfortable to preach about, 
in days down, down the road, which means very shortly ahead, the more he won't preach on that which is uncomfortable, the more he won't preach to that which is his congregation needs to hear, which means it's that much more that his congregation will vote like Rachel Maddow because that's who's teaching them. I mean, if you leave, if the, the pastor is the shepherd of the flock, and if he's not going to teach and lead the sheep, who is? Somebody else is. Has he not turned his congregation over to secularists as it relates to any topic that a pastor won't touch on? The secularists that infect every part of our society? Is it any wonder that Christians are increasingly uh, embracing pagan ideas and heresy? Why? Because they're not being taught and led. And so who bears that responsibility when the congregants in churches become to increasingly mirror society in their voting patterns? I mean, if a congregation doesn't like Donald Trump's position on abortion, then whose fault is that? Is it Trump's or is it the pastor? Because the pastor doesn't have the guts to teach about abortion. If the congregation doesn't seem to like the fact that Trump wouldn't fly the queer flag, for LGBTQ, XYZ month, then whose fault really is that? Is it Donald Trump or is it the pastor? Because the pastor doesn't have the guts to teach about that. If the congregants don't like the president's position on gun rights and the fact that guns and self-defense, the right to self-defense is biblical, Old and New Testament, folks, it's one of those issues that there's as much or more said about in the New Testament, actually, then whose fault is that? Is that Trump's? Or is that the pastors? Because they don't have the guts to teach about it. If the congregants don't like what uh, the president is doing about immigration and building a wall, is that Donald Trump's fault or is it the pastor's fault because he doesn't have the guts to teach what the Bible really says about immigration? So ask yourself the question, why is it that the Islamists, this is amazing, more correctly implement many biblical precepts than supposedly Christian countries. It's amazing. Now, I'm going to make a statement that's going to shock you. But to a large extent, well, Muslims are stuck in the Old Testament, while far too many Christians are stuck in the New Testament. Now, I'm sorry if I've shocked you with that statement. Do I Am I denigrating the New Testament at all? Absolutely not. The Word says it is a better covenant because it serves a more personal purpose, but it's not to the exclusion of the Old Testament or that which the Old Testament teaches. So what you say, how can you possibly be stuck in the New Testament? Well, if you want to know how to get saved, if you want to know how to have a relationship with God, with Jesus, and yes, how to have a relationship with your brother, that's really in the New Testament. And having a relationship with Jesus Christ is most important, and that's where that's found. That's why it's a better covenant. It's too hard to get there in the Old Testament, as in uh, impossible. But if you want to know the precepts upon which nations should operate and the civil order regarding certain practices should be followed or what should be outlawed, that's in the Old Testament. And interestingly, the Islamic countries practice a good portion of that better than we do. You will not find in the New Testament how a country, a country, a community, or a city should be run. You will not find in the New Testament what should be illegal. So what it comes down to is really this. The application of the Old Testament to today deals largely with matters of governance. And the New Testament largely deals with relationships. I got to tell you, I'm ready to spit in the eye of the next pastor who refuses to lead his congregation based upon something in the Old Testament that he doesn't like, and he leaves his sheep to be devoured by the wolves at CNN, the wolves at MSNBC, or the wolves in government schools run by the Democrat Party. That's Old Testament, they say. And then they use the love of Jesus as a cover for their ignorance and or for their guilt or their gutlessness because they prefer the accolades of man instead of the blessing of God. 
I got some breaking news for you, pastors. God did not get saved between the Old Testament and the New Testament. God didn't quit writing the Old Testament because he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. God, when beginning the New Testament, didn't say, oh, the old God is gone. Behold, all things have become new. No, he quit because the purposes of the Old Testament had been completed. It was established, not done away with, and it continues to serve its purposes today. As I said, it instructs us. You know what? There was a society back in the Revolutionary War, our War of Independence, called the Black Robe Regiment. It was what the British derogatorily called American pastors, the Black Robed Regiment. And why did they say that? Because they, they knew that the pastors did more to instill in the citizens and the, our former our, our, uh, ancestral patriots the will, the guts, and the, to fight for biblical and righteous reasons. As John Adams wrote, he said, We won the war because, quote, the pulpits have thundered. The pulpits have thundered. That's what those gutsy preachers preached. And with what New Testament, Old Testament, they made no distinction. They applied it to the times at hand. They had the guts under much further and more perilous circumstances than preachers today because they were at risk of losing everything, including, including their lives, as many were tortured by the British, tortured and plundered, but they had the guts to do it. Part of the Black Robe Regiment, that's what I want to be. All, the, all long lived my life. All the long-lived life I hope I have, I'm going to be part of that Black Robe Regiment. And I'm going to offer it up to you. What do you want to be part of? The Black Robe Regiment or the Weenie Brigade? Oh, I want to be part of the Black Robe Regiment. Where are we? Uh, this quote from John Adams, another one, said, We started out fighting a war, a vicious war of independence, so that the day would come that our children wouldn't have to fight. And our children then would learn other things who then could teach other things to their children. John Adams wrote, and I quote, I love this quote. Thank you, Ryan, who sent it from Georgia. I must study politics and war so that my sons may have the liberty to study mathematics and philosophy. And my sons ought to study mathematics and philosophy and geography, natural history, naval architecture, navigation, commerce, and agriculture, so that and in order to give their children a right to study painting, poetry, music, statuary, tapestry, and porcelain, end quote. You see, we are all the way back to war and politics because, as Cotton Mather said, religion begat prosperity and the daughter devoured the mother. What are our... Patriot forefathers fought for was that freedom. The freedom gave us the opportunity to establish a civil society. The civil society gave us the opportunity to be able to move on and teach other things and become very prosperous. But in the prosperity, we forgot God. In the prosperity, we... Uh, we, we have teased, we've been teased and seduced into thinking that we don't need God. Folks, this is where I am. When I want to go, I want to go with my very last breath, my very last bit of energy, and if absolutely necessary, my very last dollar fighting the good fight of faith. For faith without works is dead. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. From townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. 
A United Nations expert is considering a probe of a Saudi prince's role in the death of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. An independent UN human rights official investigating the Khashoggi killing is recommending an investigation into the possible role of Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, citing credible evidence. Agnes Kalamar has released a 100-page report into the October killing of Khashoggi at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul that lays out dozens of recommendations. One is for UN bodies or Secretary-General Antonio Guterres to demand a follow-up criminal probe. I'm Charles Ledesma. Lawmakers on Wednesday held the first congressional hearing in more than a decade on reparations, spotlighting the debate over whether the United States should consider compensation for the descendants of slaves in the United States. New Jersey Senator and Democrat presidential candidate Cory Booker says the nation needs to fully grapple with its racist past. Right now, today, we have a historic opportunity to break the silence, to speak to the ugly past, and talk constructively about how...